We welcome you back to another edition of Big City Catholics with Bishop Robert Brennan, the Diocesan Bishop of Brooklyn, and myself, Father Christopher Henu, the Rector of the Co-Cathedral of St. Joseph. After a brief hiatus, we're back at the start of this new academic year, in the beginning of this month of September, and we begin this podcast in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Asking the Holy Spirit's intercession upon us, Bishop and I, and upon all those who listen, we pray. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Bishops, good to be back with you. It is good to be back, yes. So we barely got started. We had a few episodes, and already we're taking a two-week hiatus. <laughs> Life is good, right? That's for sure. But they were a good two weeks. It was a mix of a little bit of outside work, a little bit of prayer, and a little bit of time off. So a nice way to complete the summer. Yes. You had, in that brief hiatus, it wasn't much... It wasn't as much of a vacation for you, you were leading a retreat for the major seminarians. How did that go? Yes. So we started in both the major seminary in Dunwoody and at the minor seminary in Douglaston. They began their years in, with, with retreat. I gave the retreat in Dunwoody. That's a three-year cycle of the St. Charles Borromeo partnership. So one year Cardinal Dolan does it, one year Bishop Barris does it, and then in the third year the Bishop of Brooklyn, Bishop Damasio would have done it. Now I, it was my turn. And it was well-timed because I came mid-year, get a sense of some of the guys, but it was really good for me to be able to spend some time and to pray with them. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I hope it was a time of prayer for all of them. Sure. What a nice way to start. This past week, I took my retreat as well. As a priest, we're supposed to take an annual retreat. I commented at Mass on Sunday that because of last year's move here to the co-cathedral and prior to that was the pandemic, it was harder to take that annual retreat. But I was grateful to get a few days and I went to a Passionist retreat house in Florida called Our Lady of Florida just to spend five days in a self-directed retreat in silence and prayer, enjoying the Floridian sun. And uh, although it was warm enough here in New York, I think That's right. it was just a, a great opportunity. So just to feel refreshed and nourished again. It is. It is good for us to be able to have that time of prayer, to to set apart time for prayer, to remember really what our work is all about. We can't give what we don't have. That's right. So it becomes so important for us to spend that time with the Lord. You know, at the seminary retreat, I focused on the Acts of the Apostles. I've been talking a lot about this book from Monsignor Shea, from Christendom to Apostolic Mission, and what it means to be a preacher of the gospel in the world today. And one of the premises is that, you know, today's world, we're very much like that of the early church preaching the gospel and, and using vocabulary that's not very familiar mm. to many, many people. So so I use that as an opportunity to, to use the Acts of the Apostles. That's something I always enjoy in Easter time, just reading sequentially through that. And so we took a couple of the moments along the way and talked about what we learned from the early church that can help us. And really, many of the issues we struggle with today 
They were there 30 years after the resurrection of the That's Lord. Right. I, t- I saw a photo of the uh, seminarians uh, and you giving the retreat. I think it was posted on your Facebook page and the, all the young guys had the, the book from Monsignor Shea in their hand. Okay, so good. Go. This is the tool book. The to- tool book, exactly. <laughs> I had given it to the priest. And we have our priest. You know, you mentioned our own retreats. But we also need time as a presbyterate, as all the priests gather together, to be together to, for education, renewal, and prayer as well. And Monsignor Shea is going to be the keynote speaker. I'm looking forward to and that. I, yeah. I am too. There too, for me, it's well-timed. I've had a chance really to meet a good number of our priests. Some I already knew, some get to know a little bit better. When we get this chance to be together... That'll mean an awful, awful lot to me. That's that, right. that, that'll be a great moment. Yeah, it will. It will. And then did you get some time to rest? I did. I did. I, um, I, had, I had had travel plans, but then changed them around um, and ended up really spending time with my folks out on Long Island. It was, it was good. It was good to be able to be around there and to help out a little bit. My brothers and sisters carry a lot of the work of assistance. But it was also good to connect with different members of my family. And also, I spent a lot of time uh, either outside, whether it be in the yard or walking along by the dock. We're on the South Shore, about a mile from the shore, and then uh, uh, heading to the ocean. So so I I got my share of of salt and fresh water. There we go. (laughs) I needed that. And during that time, I I was at St. Rose in Rockaway Beach. The week before that in St. Camillus and St. Virgilius. And then just yesterday, earlier this week, rather, on Sunday, you see with the holiday, I'm kind of a few days <laughs> off. On Sunday, I was at the Mass at St. Francis de Sales. They had Mass on the beach. And that was just fantastic. So I took advantage of every moment of summer. And I always, as a kid, I always lamented the end of the summer. It was something about August that had a heavy cloud over it uh, that you said, oh, it's almost over. But you know what? As soon as we get into September and I feel it already, there's something that I feel energized and I'm not looking back. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. let's I'm go ready, Yeah, I'm ready to move yeah. forward and I'm yeah. excited about the things that are ahead of us. But I was glad to be able to squeeze every every little bit out. You know, the Holy Father has the... Pope Francis doesn't use it, but the... The, the Castle Gandalfo, you know, the summer residence. And I, I've been watching you on, on Facebook. Your Facebook page is always uh, keeps us updated with what's going on in your life. You, I noticed how many times you were by the beach, and I said, maybe there's a, a need for a bishop's summer residence in Rockaway or Breezy Point or just a room in one of those rectories. <laughs> one never knows. One <laughs> never knows. Do you know, I actually lived in a house built by an auxiliary bishop of Brooklyn. I was the pastor of St. Mary of the Isle in Long Beach, then Bishop Mundelein on Long Beach, which was basically an empty island. And they used it, and eventually they had what is now the garage was a little chapel, so sometimes they would offer mass for some of the people who worked in the different hotels and all of that. And then eventually they built a church in in 1915, and then he moved... He was sent to Chicago. Yes. And yeah. he became the Cardinal Archbishop of Chicago. Again, he was sent to Chicago at a time when that wasn't such a, a big and heavy sea. And yet, of course, Chicago becomes one of the largest. But he built the house where I lived and the church where um, I It was meant missed. to be like a, a summer residence? It for? was meant to be a summer residence See? Yeah, on Long Beach. And they say um, 
Archbishop Malloy would have spent some time over at St. Ignatius in Long Beach. And then um, Father Shannon tells me there's a room that bishops would have used over in Far Rockaway. St. Mary's Star of the, the Sea. Sea. Yes, that's a beautiful, that rectory was built beautifully as I, th I think also as some sort of a summer residence. Well, you know, this year I'm trying to get to all the parishes, of course, but yes, I, I admit I strategically timed <laughs> all the Coney Island and the Rockaway and all the Greasy Point. Greasy points, all, all those around the summer. So uh, I'm, I'm no fool on that. <laughs> uh, if any of those pastors are listening, uh, they may have, if they have an empty guest room, you know, that they can, <laughs> can use. So now we're back. The kids are back to school. The traffic has resumed a little more than usual, and it's uh, it's quite an exciting exciting time for us. Earlier, uh, though, this week we celebrated the feast of Saint right. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, and this year the feast of Mother Teresa commemorated the twenty fifth anniversary of the day she died mm. back in nineteen ninety seven. I, I had the privilege of offering mass at both houses for the missionaries of charity who minister here in the Diocese of Brooklyn. So I was with the Contemplative Sisters Aberdeen for an early morning Mass on Aberdeen Street, yeah. or for an early morning Mass. And then I was with the Active Sisters over at Our Lady of Victory Church at 10 o'clock on Monday for the Mass uh, with them and with some of the, not just parishioners, but people from the area who are associated with them. You know, we've had here the presence of the Missionaries of Charity for many years. But I never had that experience. And I always would be, is envy the right word? I would be a little <laughs> envious when I would hear people who celebrate Mass for the Missionaries of Charity and say, oh, I wish I would have the chance to get to know them. And here I am, I landed right. right here, yeah. and uh, I've gotten to know them, and they, they were a wonderful, wonderful group of sisters. But what a privilege it was to be able to um, celebrate in their house the solemnity of yeah. St. Teresa of Calcutta, but also to do so to commemorate the 25th anniversary of her death. They must have been so joy-filled uh, yesterday. I mean, they always are, but just earlier this week when you were there, it must have been uh, for them such a great celebration. I know that they were excited to welcome you and Bishop Cisneros. Uh, Bishop Cisneros joined me at both Masses because he offers Mass in both houses. week in both yeah. houses. Yeah. Um, and he's been with them really, I think, since they've arrived. And Father Alonzo Cox really coordinated everything there in, in the parish. So yes. it was really, really great. You know, it, it always struck me, you, you saw some of the commemorations on TV. Two figures died within days of each other back then, um, Princess Diana mm. and Mother Teresa. When you talk about a contrast, not, not, I don't mean that in a judgmental way, but just a contrast, you know, a, a royal princess and a woman who chose to care for those dying in the gutters mm. in the city of Calcutta. We can see the lasting impact of Mother Teresa's work. She really transformed the world to a certain extent. I mean, her, her, her effect is still felt. You know, one of the things I do before confirmations is I go visit with the children to be confirmed, just to break the ice, get to know them a little bit. And, and I often ask them about their confirmation name. It's amazing how many young women, they'll, they'll say, Teresa. I say, okay, which St. Teresa? Mm. More often than not, it's Mother Teresa. St. Teresa of Calcutta. And for them, she's a figure of history. Sure, yes, exactly. For, the, They've never for a 13-year-old yes. kid, Mother Teresa is way back, you know. Yes. <laughs> and so they only know her through tradition, but they know what she did. I grew up remembering Mother Teresa 
as a world figure, and there was always a line people would use, well, I'm not Mother Teresa, (laughs) (laughs) to kind of show our imperfections. Well, I'm not Mother Teresa. (laughs) In in very quiet ways, she she had that powerful effect, but she had that powerful effect by doing simple, humble, underappreciated kind of work. And she did it all for the Lord, um, all because she saw... Jesus in the eyes of the people before her. Exactly, yeah. I don't mean to make you feel old or anything, but I, I was only 10 years old when, when Mother Teresa died. And similar to the young children who are getting confirmed today, I don't have that lived experience of, but I've watched her address the United Nations. I've watched those videos. I've watched her, the relationship that she had with uh, St. John Paul II. I, I knew even as a 10-year-old when she died, this was someone that was very, very important in the world. Important, not in the secular sense of the word important, but this was someone who That's had the made That's the contrast I'm talking about. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, one of my memories, I know she visited here in Brooklyn and in Queens. She also visited once the Cathedral of St. Agnes in Rockville Center. And I was in the seminary at the time. I don't know whether it was planned that way or whatever we had seminarians were invited but it got out on the radio and so the cathedral was jam-packed so i was fortunate just to be at the door no i wasn't close at all (laughs) i i was barely inside the door and i counted my blessings Mm. her speech that day was one of those what i call transformational moments it was one of those moments that really stays with you And she said things that she's known for saying. So it's not that it was anything earth-shattering or anything new. But a couple of things that stayed with me. One, she held up her hand. And she said, every day before you go to bed, you should do an examination of conscience. And she says, hold up your hand and look at the five fingers on your hand. And then remember that gospel, Matthew 25, the sheep and the goats. And she said, look at your five fingers and remember those five words. You did it for me. And she said, so now think about it. And she said, what did I do for Jesus today? Meaning, what did I do for other people Mm. that really I was serving Jesus? Mm. And then she said, then look again. Say again, you did it for me. And she said, what didn't I do for Jesus today? That's one of those things, very tangible, very visible. Absolutely, yeah. It, it gets right to the heart of things. That's, that's a, subtle, a, a very strong reminder, not a subtle, a, a strong reminder to me. The other line, and I guess it was because we were physically there in that cathedral. And then years later, I would spend a number of years there living as a priest in, that, in the cathedral parish. So it, that came back to me very strongly when she said, let no one in this place... Right, so I'm right where I was standing. <laughs> Let no one in this place ever feel unloved, unwanted, or uncared for. Wow. You know? It was funny in those days when they would do like a press conference, you know, the microphone situation uh, was a little different than it is today. And so you'd have all these mics sticking out. <laughs> yeah. on, so she was at the pulpit and all these microphones are sticking out. And she's not a big woman. And so they actually put telephone books out for her to stand (laughs) Stand on on so that you could barely see her face above all of the microphones. (laughs) And a small woman, but a powerful, 
powerful voice. Yeah. And that's what the, the missionaries of charity continue to do to make people feel loved, wanted, uh, and appreciated. That's right. People would ask her, I mean, she would do interviews. Um, one of the famous ones was Malcolm Muttridge. You know, like when you hold somebody who's dying in the street, and she'd be criticized for this. This person's dying. You're not going to make them better. You're not curing them. You, you, you know, you're barely being with them. Why do you do that? Why, why don't you put your efforts into trying to wipe out disease? And her answer is... She wants to be with somebody in their dying moments so that they could die with a little bit of dignity and a little bit of love. And that's when she would use that line. She said, and I'd look into their eyes and I would see the eyes of Jesus. Mm. I would remember him on the cross. I thirst. I thirst for you. And so she would be there for Jesus on the cross by being there just holding somebody who didn't have a chance in this world in terms of getting better or surviving but who could enter into eternal life, feeling the love of Jesus. This theme of, of the, the love of Jesus is very much pre prevalent in our uh, gospel this Sunday. The gospel is the very famous passage of the, the prodigal son that everybody knows, very many people know for sure, and an easy one in and of itself to preach on because oh, it's, it's like, you know, home run derby here, you know? And what's great is we get it, you know, we get it in Lent this year. We had it in Lent. But we'll get it again this coming Sunday as part of the whole series of readings. So the lost coin, mm -hmm. the lost sheep, and the lost son. Um, and so we get all three this week. And it, you're right. There are so many places we could go, but it's all about God's radical, extraordinary, extravagant love. I have a question for you. I, I always ask this when I preach on, the, on this, especially the prodigal son. Does the older brother go in to the feast or not? Remember how the older brother is out there and he's... Uh, kind of fuming. <laughs> fuming. Uh, because of his, son being well, of his brother being welcomed home. And his father comes out and actually pleads with him. Does he go in? I'd like to believe he does. Good answer, I hope. I hope so. <laughs> you see, it's deliberately left unfinished. The yes. gospel doesn't tell us. Yeah. But you know what? The key to that is in the first line. The gospel, that chapter 15 opens. Jesus went to the house of many tax collectors and sinners. And the Pharisees and the scribes were murmuring among themselves. How dare he go to the houses of tax collectors and scribes? He's, he's associating with the sinners. And this chapter 15 is Jesus' way of saying, oh, sure, come on in. You'll fit in with everybody else. <laughs> you, you, you belong here too, the, the, the self-righteous. You guys are just like everybody else. Come on in. And, and, and in a sense, it's not. It doesn't end because it's up to the tax. It's up to the Pharisees to say, okay, will they accept Jesus' invitation, invitation to be part of God's kingdom? Will you? And you know that's where the answer comes down to it. Will you and I accept it? Can because it's not just a matter of my being forgiven, but it's a matter of realizing that God brings everybody in, and can we be glad for God's mercy? Yeah. For, and, and in that sense, you know, um, it, it reflects also the, the laborers in the vineyard who come in at the last moment and receive the same pay. You know, right. 
God's extravagance, as you, the word you used is extravagance. Yeah, I think that's... Uh, I mean, yeah, these parables are filled with images that are just unrealistic, you know. So he talks about the lost sheep, which who among you wouldn't leave the 99 sure thing, okay? The 99 <laughs> sheep in the field to go after the one who's lost. I imagine myself a shepherd saying, not me, <laughs> right? Not me. Go after 99 sure things, one that's lost, forget it. And then when he finds it, he lifts it up tenderly, puts yes. it over. I, yeah. I'd be kicking the thing in the back and saying, get, get back in that group. <laughs> exactly. Or the woman who finds the lost coin. And, you know, can you can imagine one of your neighbors coming out of a brownstone and down the stoop yelling, I found my coin. I found my coin. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> but that's God's joy. God's joy is in finding the one who's lost. And the father who says, the son demands his inheritance, and the son says, so you know, basically saying, I wish you're dead. Yes, yeah. And, and the father who does it, like everybody's shaking their head saying, what kind of father is this? And, yeah. then, and then goes out there and welcomes, welcomes him back. Him, and then goes and begs the other guy to come in. Like, so it's just these unrealistic images that just show us that God's mercy is extravagant indeed. It's recognizing that I'm in need of it, rejoicing in finding it, and rejoicing that God is merciful not only to me but to all. Mm. That's that's the challenge here. Yeah. And coincidentally, uh, 21 years ago this Sunday, you know, was a, a day in which right. the whole world sought God's love and God's mercy. For... And we do even today, yeah. you know. I, I was on Long Island when September 11th happened in 2001. We were welcoming a new bishop. He was installed five or six days before. Mm. I could, from my office in Rockville Center, you could see the outline of the skyline, and so we could see the smoke. And, of course, like anybody around here, new people who died that day were others who made it out and were just that, that the images. So we all have our memories here now in in New York City, the, those those memories are very very real and very very tender to us. Um, the wounds are still somewhat fresh. Mm. So uh, so yes, this Sunday is going to be a day of prayer and and remembrance, a day of prayer for those who have died. And this Sunday, you, you'll be um, joining us here at the Co Cathedral Parish for mass with our local firehouses. Each of these local houses were one of the, they were first responders on the scene, and so there were deaths uh, within their houses and squads and units. They've had a tradition ever since to meet at Ground Zero early on the morning of September 11th, and then walk from Ground Zero across the Brooklyn Bridge up Atlantic or Flatbush, uh, stop at their house here on Dean Street, and then come to the co-cathedral parish for, for mass. And so it will be an honor for me to stand with those who watch over and protect our community. Whenever, you know, and whenever I, I do the prayer of the faithful at mass, I always have a petition for those who watch over and protect our community and those who serve our nation at home and overseas. It's an honor to stand with these women and men who every day, even now, put our safety over their own well-being and yes, we recognize that the loss is on that day, but you know, also the loss is since, right? That's right. Yeah. And many, many, even to this day, carrying terrible illnesses and have died 
in these days since from September 11th related illnesses from the work because the work wasn't only September 11th clean up and they yeah yeah you know those who you know even in my own family my my, my brother who's a police officer goes uh, was there at, at the uh, scene after the 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 towers collapsed and the cleanup and so they go regularly for checkups you know that the medical checkups and I know that he's had many friends who have suffered since from the effects of breathing in the dust and, and just being in the presence. So, yeah, we continue to, to pray with them and for them. Right. And so it'll be an honor to be with them on Sunday here at, for Mass. Um, and, of course, our Sunday Mass is always broadcast on Net TV. So we invite our faithful who can be with us to join us, certainly. But we also invite anyone who is able to uh, join us by way of Net TV or the live stream. That's right. Bishop, it's really so good to be back with you here in this little podcast room. It's a very comfortable room, this, this uh, opportunity for us to gather and, and to, to discuss that which is going on in the diocese. That's what which is going on in your ministry as, as you continue to shepherd the people, the faithful of, of Brooklyn and Queens. For me, it's a, a great honor to be able to do that with you and to assist in this way. We're really excited about what's to come for this podcast as we continue to, to develop it and, and grow it. And we ask that uh, those who view it or listen to it on all of the different streaming platforms, Apple Podcasts and Spotify and on our Diocesan website, and uh, the links are, are very easy to, to find. We ask that you please share the podcast with your friends and family, that others may get a sense of what's going on in, here in, in the Diocese of Brooklyn with, with Bishop Brennan and, and our big city Catholics. So, Bishop, perhaps you would like to lead us with a you know, closing prayer. We ended on that sad note of commemorating September 11th, and we are indeed a people of faith, so maybe we could close by commending all of our beloved dead, particularly those who died in conjunction with the events of September 11th to the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Eternal rest grant to them, O Lord. And let perpetual light shine upon them. May they rest in peace. Amen. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed, through through the the mercy mercy of God, God, rest rest in peace. peace. Amen. Amen. And may Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bishop. A very blessed week to you all, and thanks for listening to this edition of Big City Catholics. God bless.